Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dentists Who Invest podcast, a much requested episode on ESG investing. It's about time we did something about this topic because a lot of people ask me about it and I've got in the house expert today, John Doyle stood here in front of me, who is an FA. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm smashing, my friend. And you know what? This episode today, I'm here to learn as well because I know what ESG investing is. But by my own admission, I haven't done nearly enough research into it. So, John, maybe it might be nice for you to do just a quick intro about yourself and then we'll jump straight into ESG investing, what it is, how does it work and how do we take it into consideration when we're designing our portfolios? Superb. Yep. So as you said, uh, my name is John Doyle. I'm an independent financial planner. I run a company called Juniper Wealth Management. We're based up in Lancashire. But as you can probably tell from my voice, I'm a southern lad. Uh, grew up in the New Forest. Uh, Daddy was a dentist, uh, hence ah. working with dentists as well. So um, 14 years now as a financial advisor, working in um, not only traditional investing, but ethical and socially responsible and ESG environment. And it's something probably about 60% of our clients have some form of ESG integration in their portfolios these days. Gotcha. And on that note, ESG, let's break it down like you're explaining it to a five-year-old. Bear in mind, you're talking to us dentists who have no financial background whatsoever. ESG, what is it? Let's start from the bottom up. Okay. Well, probably best to start with a bit of history. Okay, because um, there's a lot of terms, and I realized I just threw a load of terms in, even in my introduction, right? So if we go like all the way back to the, say, the 1960s with investing, um, people's main intention was just to make money, called this traditional investing, okay? But then you, you had a few kind of uh, charities or uh, very, very ultra high net worth investors who wanted to not invest in certain things, mostly for religious reasons. And we had the birth of ethical investing or socially responsible investing. And then as you flash forward to about 2005, the United Nations came up with this governance policy called ESG. Okay, And that's where this kind of middle ground starts to come in. And as advisors, often we conflate all the different words together, but they do mean different things. So ESG is environmental, social and governance. And it's a way of looking at a company and giving it a, a score or a rating based upon its impact on the environment, its impact on society and its governance as a company. So how well it's run. Got you. Interesting stuff. Okay, cool. So how does that conversation typically go when you're consulting a new client and they say to you, okay, John, 
what I want to do is I want to have some sort of ESG consideration in my portfolio. What would you in turn say to them next? Would you say, okay, well, I would advise you to go partly ESG, partly traditional, because what I would assume is that the returns are better if you have a diversified portfolio across more traditional markets rather than ring fencing your in ring fencing yourself into one particular one particular well you know subsection would that be the case or how does that how does that typically look or would you say full steam ahead ESG <laughs> where it's at these days that's where you're going to get the best returns so um in terms of do they return better because that's probably the easiest yeah one to answer uh, what i've tended to find is they um they kind of zig and zag. So when when one's doing outperforming, the other will lag a bit, and then you get this crossover. Mostly because you um, with ESG, you'll tend to filter out sectors like oil and gas, or um, you know tobacco and, and, and things like that. They'll tend to not be in there. Now, if you look at the last, you know, sort of twenty twenty, ESG portfolios absolutely flying because it's filled with tech stocks it's filled with tesla it's filled with you know google and all these big big companies but then over maybe the last 12 months as oil and gas prices well we all know what's happened with those uh you've you've seen the sort of traditional investments claw back and maybe overtake um and so i find it's a bit of give and take which is why my question comes more onto what what values are we trying to achieve with ESG? Okay, so our investments is it's about aligning values with your money because for some people it's kind of, it's really, really important. Maybe there's like serious ethical considerations they've got. So they're really far on the spectrum. You know, they're living a vegan life, uh, completely at one harmonious and hippie and tree hugging and everything. Um, for others, it's actually, I just want my money to do some good. I just want to feel like I'm not making the world worse than when I joined it. Um, for others, just absolutely no, um, no real consideration. We just continue with traditional. So we have a big conversation around values and what it is we're trying to achieve with investing maybe with a socially responsible or an ESG hat on. Well, yeah, that's completely reasonable because I suppose people might come to you and they say, they've heard of ESG and they say, oh, well, that sounds good. I want to partake in that. But actually, what ESG means to one person is totally different to the next person. So I'm really, yeah, I'm really interested, actually. So what, how, how does that conversation look then? So you'd ask them specifically about their religious beliefs, you know, how do, how do you quantify who, how ESG someone is, you know? We have, we have two approaches to this. Uh, we've got one that's sort of stipulated from a regulatory point of view, where we give our clients yet another questionnaire to fill in and they tick all the boxes. And that, that can be useful because you can see uh, they're really concerned about animal testing or they're concerned about, um, you know, alcohol. Um, but then, then you have this, this wider conversation. I actually, um, I've got a whole slide deck that I take clients through big part of it's about educating them why we invest the way we do why we do the things we do and i've got what i call a venn diagram on steroids of where all these different areas overlap with each other because the surprising thing for a lot of people is that an esg portfolio has most of the same investments as a traditional and it's just the fringes of the companies that you're kind of getting rid of the bad actors as it were is what you're trying to achieve anyway and so you can talk to people about, well, 
Is there somewhere along this spectrum that you feel that you're landing on? Are there specific things that you're really against, or is it just a, a general, uh, a general uh, approach that you're trying to take here? Sometimes you'll get someone who, who just turns around and says, "In one conversation I had, they were like, I don't want to invest in Boohoo.'" Okay, <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, um, it's actually a practice manager, a dental practice. This one, uh, like, I don't want to invest in Boohoo." So you, then you go and have a conversation. You go, "Well." the amount of money we're investing the the cost of implementing a portfolio that only excludes boohoo is not going to provide you any value from an investment perspective i hear you yeah and but, presumably that's boohoo because of fast fashion yeah and the whole controversy during lockdown of paper paying people three pound an hour in leicester and all, all this kind of stuff you know just um yeah not not a great company but you know, we, we use index funds a lot and we'll talk about indexing and, and ESG, I'm sure, later. Um, but I'll, I'll then approach it with, and with that conversation is, you know, we've got a, a portfolio with, say, five or 6,000 investments in it. And one of those is Boohoo. And you've got 100 grand invested. What are we going to have invested in Boohoo? A quid, two quid? How comfortable are you with that if we know that generally we're taking a, 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 a approach where we've got good companies for the environment, good companies socially, good companies on the governance side, if one or two slip through? Got you. So it's a conversation, effectively. But very definitely a conversation. Parameters. Yeah. And different people have different abilities to bespoke it. You know, one of we, we do some work with charities. You know, we've got a multi-million pound portfolio for a charity. We're able to go very specific for that charity, you know, on, on what because we can we can individually screen things out because of the size of the portfolio, and then they've got the social risk of you know that charity invested in bad lending practices, not very good because the charity is kind of trying to help people out of poverty, so um, gets very important on, on those things. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine it's a PR thing, absolutely. So who is on the Who's on the naughty list when it comes to ESG investing? Who are the, the no-nos, the people that are blacklisted and they'll never, ever be in an ESG portfolio? Um, that's a really, really interesting question because um, there's some surprising companies who are in ESG portfolios. Okay, so you might think that an oil company would never hit an ESG portfolio. Yeah. Uh, but might, that would be a reasonable assumption. That's actually who I was thinking of when I asked that question. So Shell have a double A rating for ESG. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is the most surprising one. There's a great tool, and um, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give send you a link so you can put it in your show notes. But um, we use MSCI, and MSCI are a big index provider, we use their methodology for our ESG and socially responsible portfolios. And they've got a tool you can go and you can look up any company that's listed in the world and look at their um, their ratings and what's going, you know, why they're rated the way they are. Shell have got a really good climate impact target and they're on target to hit that two and a half degree increase on uh, climate change, decarbonize. And then they've also got really good governance, really good corporate behavior. So Shell actually end up as double A, higher rated than Tesla. 
Really? Okay. Wow. So it's not as intuitive as you might think, or it's definitely not like these people are bad. This industry's bad. This industry's good. Something like that. And just to clarify, double A, I'm guessing like the best rating is like triple A or something like yeah. that. So they're one off the top. And then what is the really, what do the ratings go down to? Like, like C. C. Okay. All right. So it's, uh, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting that from Shell, but there you go. And the, Well, I have read a little bit about them that they, they do plant like X number of trees for every well that they find or something like that. There's, there's some it's sort of it's those sorts of things, you know, carbon yeah. capture, carbon offset, investment in renewables. They're going to be making strides towards hitting climate targets. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Let's look at the cold hard numbers. And we, we touched upon this a little bit earlier. Is that, you know, you said that obviously tech, tech in like, what 2019 2020 was flipping booming like the nasdaq and what have you yeah nowadays over the last year or two less so but then again in investing terms those are tiny time frames like really small time frames okay so overall is the data there yet to say that esg can actually outperform traditional investing or just buying the stock market buying the market uh no is the honest answer that there isn't enough data yet for um, uh, to, to show that ESG is like a factor in the same way, like small cap or value investing or growth investing would be a, a factor um, that you could look at and say, yeah, academically speaking, it will produce out, out performance. There isn't that, that data there yet. Yeah. I thought you might say that because it's only really, I, I'm guessing a lot of these funds have only really been around for maybe I don't know, under a decade? Um, yeah. So if you think sort of 2005, the UN came up with the phrase ESG. Yeah. It takes a few years for it to start filtering through. And then, yeah, you, you most of these funds, this fund management industry is classic for this. They launch them when it's popular. So like if you look at where the money's come from, it's like mostly in the last two, three years. Um, so there, there just isn't that sort of data. Probably the, the best one to look at if you're looking for long-term data is the FTSE for good, uh, which was sort of launched in the early 90s, I think. Um, that was more ethical than um, ESG, but there's obviously a big overlap. Um, yeah, so the FTSE for good could be quite an interesting one to look at. That's interesting. And FTSE for good, I'm guessing, I'm reading between the lines and I'm going to say that that's a tracker fund. It's, that- there are, uh, they have a range of tracker funds with the FTSE for good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Because obviously that would mean that it's not active, which would mean the fees are less, which is, yep. you yep. presume most ESG ones are active, right? Well, I'm guessing that they are. It's, as with funds in general, most funds out there are, are active, but there are an increasing number of um, ESG and SRI, socially responsible um, index funds out there. So the portfolios we run at, at Juniper are all index funds, both the uh, socially responsible ESG and the traditional. That's okay. So I've just heard you, I've just picked up on you using another term there, socially responsible versus mm-hmm. ESG. And I'm going to guess there's some slight difference that sets those two apart there's some distinction in there yes yeah so esg is where you just get rid of the bad actors but then socially responsible you're saying well there's certain things i just don't want to invest in now mostly with those it's the kind of um 
the popular sins. You know, you've got tobacco, you've got oil and gas, you've got uh, guns, um, you know, those sorts of things would get screened out. Alcohol is generally thrown in there as well. Um, so things that are kind of seen as the most common uh, things people want to be out of. And then you get a socially responsible portfolio. That's interesting. So when you obviously we can't go into specifics and tailored advice in this podcast, but when someone comes to you as an individual, as a client for your for your services at your at your at your financial advisor, your company, um, would you ever say to them, listen, I'm at, would you ever actively say, listen, I think that you should at least have some of your portfolio in, in the ESG? In the SG based one because of X, Y, and Z, or is it more a client led discussion that you, that you let them come to you and ask? Actually, this is what I'd prefer to have, or would you ever guide them into that into investing in those things from the point of view that you genuinely think that they can maybe get better returns, or part of their portfolio should be this, be in this for whatever reason? How does that look? Uh, so my my default is to go one foot in both camps. <laughs> Just. Okay. Of you know, let's split fifty fifty between a socially responsible and a traditional approach. Oh, really? Um, so you, that's actually your default for a new client? Yeah, that's yeah. Because when I when I speak to most people, they go, "Well, I kind of think it'd be a good idea, but I don't want to lose out." And you know, I don't. They're kind of middling about it anyway. Yeah. And if you're kind of undecided and you go, "Well, I'd like a bit, but I don't want it all," then fifty fifty seems like a, a reasonable approach to take it kind of um it's actually worked really well over the last couple of years because it's evened out the outperformance and underperformance of the the two portfolios you'll find a lot of our advisors will argue about this and i'm sure they'll some will tell me i'm <laughs> i'm wrong but um you know what we then tend to do is based on the conversations is we'll weight it one way or the other so i've had some clients who'll turn around and say you know I don't want any of that. It's all hippie nonsense, mm. all traditional. Uh, and then, then others who will go, yeah, it's really important to me and will go full, full socially responsible. Um, but yeah, the, the one foot in each camp kind of, yeah, <laughs> seems to be a quite, quite comfortable. It's the compromise approach, I guess. That's cool. That's interesting. And I know we said the data wasn't there just at the start to say what these what the returns are going to be on these long term. But are you able to pluck some numbers off the top of your head in terms of average returns? Say for that, the, the Fitzy one that you were talking about earlier, how much is it appreciated on average every year? And I get that the time frame is not long enough for us to say what that might be going forward. But let's compare it to the S&P, which is what, like 9.1% total returns yeah. if you include dividends. What I'm else just, do? Just really curious. Yeah, if you give me just two sets, I'm just going to pull we up. We can pull those, yeah. yeah. What, what I'll do is I'll pull up the portfolios that we use and yeah. we'll just look at the 100% equity because if we're comparing to the S&P, then 100% equity is where we'd want to be uh, looking. Yeah, totally. That would be really interesting to know. But just as I say, just to reiterate what we said earlier, anybody who's listened to this, it's not the only metric to make a flipping investment decision about <laughs> what it's done. Yeah. Uh, and, and I actually see this all the time that people see returns as the only metric, but really there's a lot more to it. But I'm just genuinely curious, just straight up what, how that compares or how that looks. So these, these portfolios, um, have the same asset allocation as in global asset allocation. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the same um, equity allocation is 100% equity. But if we're America, it's, you know, the same percentage is allocated to the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we look at five years mm-hmm. um, on the uh, socially responsible, the return has been 10.28% per year. Okay. After investment costs, but before any advisory costs. Um, and um, then for the traditional, it's been 7.07. Okay, interesting. Um, for, the, uh, for that same period. Um, and largely, like I said, that largely that's down to the, the responsible having a higher weighting to tech, which over the last five years has done particularly well. Um, versus sort of more traditional um, weightings to, you know, oil and gas and, and other things. So it's to the weighting has been favorable over this last few years, but five years is not enough to say this is a, a repeatable pattern going forward. Yeah, totally. And is there any data on that over longer time frames, maybe 10 years, something like that? Um, I don't have any for the portfolios that we run because those indexes that are within it, and the, the funds haven't been around that long. Cool, yeah. But I probably, if we, uh, you fill for a moment, I can I can jump into it. <laughs> absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, ESG investing, I'm here to learn as well on this particular one, and it's one that gets requested on the group an absolute ton. And I feel like for me, what the whole point of this podcast is part of it is to actually delve down into the nitty gritty because I feel like two, there's going to be two camps out there. There's going to be the people who see it as something hugely important. However, they're also a little unsure because they don't they don't know is this going to compromise their actual returns to some degree. Which you know, this is why we're delving into the returns here at this point. But we're also quick to caveat everything and say, listen. The reality is the timeframes are not long enough to really draw any serious conclusions. So whilst, yes, let's look at it straight up from the point of view of people who want their portfolios to grow at the greatest rate. Maybe it does make sense. Okay. Maybe it does make sense to have some ESG, but at the same time, would you want to put all of your wealth into it at this stage? Probably not, but it maybe actually makes sense even from the point of view of someone who just wants to, accelerate growth in their portfolio and actually get better returns. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistuinvest.com forward slash podcast report, or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. I think um, I would expect it to pick up similar returns to the index as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're talking about how many companies are going to be held within an index, compared you know those that would be filtered out on ASG, you're not going to be screening out loads and loads of the market. 
But what you'll have is pockets of performance where certain sectors will be outperforming or lagging, and that's where you'll get your difference. But over time, that will generally even out. Cool. And more and more companies are starting to produce the information that ESG rating companies want and also produce the target. So more and more companies will be getting pulled into the ESG rating system. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm just looking through. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got anything long enough that I can find quickly. It's, it's, all, it's all right. Maybe, you know, maybe if, even if we would just straight up be able to see the returns of that one that you mentioned earlier, the Fitzy uh, one that we're, I can't remember exactly. Fitzy for good. Fitzy for good. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Maybe that might be the best place to go. And then what we do is we just the average total returns, I suppose, on that. It just, it would be interesting. But, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. We'll see what we find on that one. Okay. Let's see what we find. What we'll do is we'll just cut this bit out. Yeah, sure. I think I think the, um, well, we're cutting this bit, then it's fine. I can just take a moment just to yeah, just find something. Is there anything else? Obviously, we're going to cut all this part out. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything else really that do you think that is worth me asking you about? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, I think one of the things that, that's a really interesting discussion at the moment is what is ESG actually doing to improve the companies that are being invested in? Okay. So, you know, is is it enough to invest in is is investing in an ESG actually making these companies better? So what are those figures now that you've pulled them up, John? Okay, so the uh this is the um FTSE for good, it's a UK one. So you're probably best comparing it to say the FTSE 100 over the same period. Um, but from October 03 till now, it's it's done 161%. Uh as a return um and if i just quickly add in the um index yeah totally we'll get some cold hard figures on that one for comparison yeah versus the FTSE 100 over that same period say uh -huh. uh, yeah that there yeah. we go FTSE 100 over that period's done 258 percent compared to 161 percent for the FTSE. okay Okay, so slight compromise. There. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say particularly when we're looking at UK, it's it's going to be around um, oil and gas and, and um, British American tobacco, British aerospace. You know, we're losing out on those companies, which are quite big constituents of the FTSE. Yeah, got you. Um, yeah, so that's where the FTSE for good is an ESG plus ethical screening fund. And it, yeah. it, it will lose out during those periods. But there's been periods of outperformance during that time. Um, yeah. 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 But there you go. I mean, is what you're saying there is basically, is it a fair comparison on, on when, when you're talking about that specific index? Because yeah. most of the FTSE is flipping legacy companies from however long ago, mining companies and all these ones yeah. that 
tend to not be looked upon so favorably by ESG investors and hence don't make the cut when it comes to uh, that particular fund. So it's an interesting one. You know, it's one of those things, you know, it's really hard to make science on something like this because there's so many variables, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just things to consider. So obviously when we invest in these ESG funds and we feel like we're doing good for the environment and we feel like we're supporting these companies that are ethical, they're here to help, here to make the world a better place. But would you say that it's actually fair to say that when we purchase these, that our money is going directly to these companies and it's being put to good use? Mm. Well, at the moment, there's a really um, big debate about this. You know, because the ESG has exploded over the last couple of years, there's big um, debates around how much of it's greenwashing. You know, okay. so there's a lot of investment management funds that have just renamed their fund and put ESG in it because most of the funds within it were okay for any ES, for ESG purposes. Um, but the actual content of the fund hasn't changed um, and they're not actually doing anything from an engagement perspective either. So I think this is where the values thing really comes into it when we're talking with a client about why are we wanting to invest this way? Because if we're wanting to avoid things because it impacts on our our ethics, then absolutely we 100% want to avoid these things. Um, But if we're trying to actively make companies better, I think there's a really strong argument to say that index investing in the general market is as good as a pure ESG approach. Because when an index investor, you know, the biggest index investing company in the UK is is legal in general. Um, You know, they're the biggest shareholder on the FTSE. When they're buying these shares on behalf of their investors, they're buying them knowing they're not going to sell them. So what do they do when they're on their earnings call with Shell and the shareholder, you know, AGMs? Well, they vote with a long-term mind. They vote with um, an ESG mind. It was index investing companies like Vanguard, like Legal and General, like iShares, who pushed uh, for decarbonization within companies like Shell and pushed them for... Um, this climate action, what are you actually going to be doing about it? Because we're still going to be holding you in 50 years' time for our pension uh, investors. Um, So I think there's a really good argument to make that investing in a general index portfolio, if you've got the right um, index providers, is as strong an is going to have as strong an impact as as an ESG portfolio because they're still going to be driving that change in those companies. But you will have investments that maybe conflict with your ethics. Um, And that's where we have this. We don't really do much pure ESG. We do the socially responsible where we're saying, we'll move all these ones that conflict with our ethics out, as well as have the ESG in there, or we'll go traditional. We do have a couple of clients who've chosen to go down the ESG route. But mostly it's the socially responsible or traditional or a mixture of those two. Awesome. Okay, cool. So really, really, really nice roundup or summary of ESG investing there. Just to put a cap on everything that we said today, short and sweet, powerful and punchy, tidbits of advice for anybody who wants to 
play, wants to have more exposure to ESG in their portfolio, what can they do? How can they go about it? What are the things that they can do to investigate these funds, at least to a cursory level, so that it's something actionable that people can implement? So if you want to know whether the funds you're investing in have um, what their ESG ratings are like, there's three tools provided by MSCI that we use that are free. Okay. So again, I'll, I'll send you the links and we'll pop those in, in the show notes. One of those is to look at companies. One of those is to look at indexes. And one of those is to look at funds. And you can then drill down into your funds and see what the pros and cons are. So if it's something you really care about, you can you can look at them and, and see what's happening. Um, with all of this stuff, just have your own philosophy about how you want to invest. Do your research and then stick to it. Don't go into ESG because it's the latest fad and the newspapers are telling you it's doing great. Because the more we follow the wind, the more we're going to get blown over. Okay, we want our philosophy, we want to stick to it, know why we buy things, and then you'll know when it's time to to get out of them. So I, I that's why I'd go values over over doing it for profit. One hundred percent. And the media they don't do investors any favors really because it's it's made out like it's this supposed to be this flipping frantic high energy thing where you're you're jumping into this fund, you're jumping out of this one because the world has changed and now we need to do this or this is a current trend. Like you know when you see on uh, I'm not going to name any names, but certain financial literature institutions that that I'm subscribed to my mailbox i don't even know why sometimes because i don't read the stuff that they send me <laughs> it'll say it'll say things like uh is now the time to invest in uranium and stuff like this yeah, it's yeah. like that's yeah. just so stupid you know what i mean as if now is the time to go ahead and jump into it whereas i mean for me even if you even if you did buy some uranium right and you made more returns on that than you might have expected you would have done otherwise the thing about it is you have to actually think to yourself, at what point am I going to take the money out of this to actually realize this gain? Because mm-hmm. chances are it's going to rebalance or it's the rest of the market's going to catch up due to the law of averages. This tends it to be reverts what reverts to the mean. <laughs> yeah, reverts to the mean. There you go, right? And then for me, right, if you're if you're doing that and you're jumping in because you're getting swept away in the wind, just as what you said earlier, or you're getting caught up in this tidal wave or frenzy for this particular asset right what, what what's the end goal what is the end goal and realistically if you're not going to do that it might have been easier just to buy use the tried and tested techniques to buy the market or buy buy the average because realistically for you that would be the best thing to do in the long run because you don't have the time to have these more short-term jumping in and out of the market strategies and all I, all I would, and I'm not, this is not me saying that, you know, don't invest in ESG and don't do all of these things. What I am saying, just it kind of aligns with what you're saying effectively is that if you're going to do it, stick to your guns, find a fund that works for you. Okay. And then have it as a portion of your portfolio. And then what that means is that you can consistently invest in it and see some returns that are more aligned with your beliefs rather than, jump just as we were saying earlier this frantic buying friends you're getting swept this is where the, the values thing becomes really important because if if you're in that footsie for good and you've lagged the market but you know you've done it without conflicting with your values 
Yeah. Would you have wanted those returns in the first place if it's from the things that you can't stand? Yeah. Well, no, you so you have to be happy with the returns you get because it's stuck to your values. If it's not your values, then don't go down that road because it's, you know, you're, you're going to be restricting your investment criteria needlessly. Um, so that's why we have this kind of half and half. Some people, they really value it. Some people, they don't. RESG, socially responsible stuff, very, very broad. You know, it's got 8,000 holdings compared to 10,000 for the, the wider market ones. So it's not like we're completely narrowed at the focus of the, the portfolios. Got you. Really interesting that that's a conversation that you have with every single client. I had no idea that things had developed to that level. Might just be me, mate. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. Even if it is just you and your practice, it's still really cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I, I had no idea, certainly, that it was that far along. But yeah, food for thought. John, thank you so much for your time today. If anything that you have said has interested anybody in the podcast who's been listening to the podcast, where can they find out more about you? Um, my uh, Twitter and Instagram is just juniper, juniper underscore John. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or our website is juniperwealth.co.uk. Top stuff. John, thank you so much for your time today. Interesting episode in ESG investing. We'll catch up really soon. Yeah, yeah. Great to speak. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.